0: Welcome back to the Why Hockey Social Distancing Podcast. Don't worry, coronavirus didn't kill us. It just it just inebriated us for a little bit.
1: Not yet, but now that you spoke that, that into existence, I'm a little worried. Ah,
0: don't worry, it's going to be okay. We're practicing our social distancing. Podcasting is the best social distancing tool there is.
1: Yes, and I lace all my mics. I don't know where they've been.
0: Did you have to bu- brush the, uh, the the dust off of
1: them? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, there was a little dust uh, in the there in the corner. I didn't even know which corner they were at it, my microphone, my USB, my headphones that I use just for podcasting. All that was all tucked think, away.
0: It's amazing to think that the last time I did a show, I was talking with David Dwork about the Panthers and how they actually started playing somewhat decently after we did that show, and then the entire world fell apart.
1: And the hockey gods were like, "No, no." No, thank you. <laughs>
0: Absolutely not. No, you can't do that. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of hockey-related things later in this show. Firstly, you saw the title of this podcast. Jeff Merrick is on this show. Now, if you know me or you know Tommy or you know the history of Y Hockey, you might know that we have an interesting relationship with Jeff Merrick. Now, I've known Jeff for a while uh, in the Merrick versus Wachinski days when that was the show that I listened to all the time because it got me into podcasting.
1: He was on. That uh, show launched a lot of podcasts and a lot of blogs and a lot of people who thought they were doing podcasts and blogs like us. Yeah, Um, and then. Imitators
0: of Merrick versus Wasinski is what what happened. He launched a legion of imitators. Uh, But I will say that I got to know Jeff through that and other days and when Twitter was less bad than it is now. Uh, He was on my college radio show at Maryland a ton. He was more available at that point, but uh, we met him. Uh, I met him at the 2014 draft, which was really cool. That was the Ekblad draft, and then you and I both great days at the the Florida draft in that draft mm-hmm. party the night before in Fort Lauderdale. You remember that?
1: Yeah. Shout outs to uh, Matt O'Brien, original lie hockey uh oh, he's original y R- hockey matt who was uh still who was uh at that draft with us yeah. uh
0: page our friend page she set that all up that was that was a great fit of fun that bar was mm-hmm. sketchy as hell but it was
1: it was a chris great was place. there mm-hmm. original uh panther parkway chris
0: yeah there was oh there's tons of great people and uh obviously that was the merrick versus sinsky pre-draft party and I mean, Jeff was there again. We, we knew, I knew Jeff beforehand. I think you had a little bit of connection with Jeff beforehand. I knew wish a little bit because I had met him at a Maryland event at one point. So that was great. So, so Jeff and I have been talking for a while. I've wanted to get him on this show for I I legitimately like four years. I've wanted to do a podcast with him and I've been trying to find a way to make it happen, make it happen. I kept waiting like, okay, we're going to do it in the summer. He's not going to be as busy in the summer. I know that during the weeks of the season, it's very difficult. Uh, you know, he's, he's obviously a lot busier than I am because I'm unemployed. But now I figured, okay, shot in the dark, social distancing, there's no hockey going on. They, this has got to be the time, right? Turns out he's busier <laughs> than he is when sports are actually going on, which is absolutely hilarious to consider. But I give him credit because he's working like heck right now, and he's putting out some good stuff. But we did actually, amazingly, find 10 minutes to spend with him. In the future, we'll have a longer show with him. I can guarantee you that. But we had 10 minutes with him, and I'm not going to leave you waiting any longer. Here's Jeff Merrick for the first time ever, although it doesn't feel like the first time, on the Why Hockey podcast. As promised, I'd love to give you the spiel of why I'm so happy Jeff Merrick is on, but Jeff Merrick is on the podcast. That's all you need to know. Hey, Matt, how you doing,
2: pal? am time, let speak. You been good?
0: have literally been waiting four years to do this, and I will explain why at another point in this show, but there's so much I want to get to, and we don't have a ton of time, but I first want to start with okay. this. You're working more now than you would if there were actually sports going on. You were telling me this before. It's a lot. That's kind of
2: crazy. Yeah it's it's a lot right now between doing things like IG lives and YouTube interviews and Nelly and I still have the pod going and still doing the, the hockey central radio show and uh, doing a watch party this weekend for the next generation game between the Leafs and the hurricanes. Like, it, it's a, it's a lot now, but I think that everybody certainly at our shop is just concerned with, you know, trying to keep some sports on the air, some commentary about sports on the air. So Right now, uh, when you don't have a game to rely on or games to rely on, um, editorial becomes that much more important. So we're, uh, we're doing our best to try to keep uh, hockey uh, as, as close to top of people's minds as possible, knowing full well that isn't the reality and shouldn't be the reality right now, but uh, should people want an escape from the, the day-to-day grind um, that is trying to keep themselves healthy and safe. Uh, we'd like to be there to, to provide that service for them. But, yeah, a long-winded way, Matt. I was saying uh, our shop is still pretty busy.
0: It's, it's amazing. I, I've done more podcasts the other show I do than I've done this one, but that's still okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I think that is interesting to mention about this is uh, it's not that there's just you no know, sports. It's just that we're finding ways to make content. You're doing a very good job of it. Uh, 31 Thoughts recently has Stu Steagel, former – chairman of the Panthers. We're not going to get into yep. that.
2: <laughs> Lots of things to say. I like, but- I, I like, Sue. I've always gotten along great with Stu. I, I've kept in touch with Stu and he's, uh, t- t- uh, I like a guy, he's got his tentacles in and uh, pretty deep into hockey in a lot of different ways as well. Whether it's, you know, hockey TV or rink net, um, ISS scouting. Like he's, he's the one thing that you can never criticize Stu for is hustle. Is that guy hustles, and that guy's got his beacon in a lot of different, a lot of different fountains in hockey. Uh, cool. And the draft technology software stuff is fascinating as well, yeah. which allows you know drafts to happen all over the place.
0: That's good for Tommy, and the hockey TV is good for me, so I can find a broadcasting job. There's something that I have,
2: <laughs> there's something
0: I haven't heard you talk about, and then, of course I've listened to 31 Thoughts, listened to some of these interviews. I want to know quickly before we get into quick hockey-related stuff. How do you talk to your kids about what's going on? Because you've got young kids, they're old enough to yep. kind of know what's going on, but they might not necessarily yep. be old enough to understand the full scope of what's happening. So
2: have you talked to them
0: about okay. what our our livelihoods are right now?
2: Okay, so you tell me whether you think I'm a good parent or not. Every day, our tradition now, after a three-year-old goes to bed, the boys have a, a little bit of supper. My boys are 10 and 8. Um, me, my two boys, and my wife sit around, and we watch at least two, sometimes three, as we're binge watching our way through this episodes of Walking Dead, because as I've told them, this is where we're headed, boys. Does that make me a good or a bad parent, Matt? I don't know. <laughs> the
1: only person who could judge um, you. <laughs> you know, you know,
2: you know what? It's as far as talking to kids. Like my wife and I, you know, are uh, honest with them about everything, and we're just sort of you know, that continues through this. And we've explained to them how this is a completely unique situation uh, that we've never been through it before. So we don't really have a whole ton of answers. Uh, but the main thing right now is for everyone to, to keep their distance and, and, and to be safe. And, you know, are they disappointed that they're not playing spring hockey right now? Yes. Are they disappointed that their baseball season isn't starting? Yes. Um, but these are, like, I got to give my kids credit. They're both mature, they're both smart, and they both, Understand. There doesn't have to be any sort of sugarcoating about what's going on right now.
0: And that's good to know because I have no idea how parents are dealing with this, and I wouldn't know how to. And thank God I'm not a parent.
2: So let's homeschooling. Home, homeschooling, man. Homeschooling. I would be is a challenge. At that. It's a challenge. I, I would be awful at that. But anyway, let's yeah. quickly
0: talk about that. I'm, I'm bad at the math part. My wife takes over. That's why I'm a journalist. I'm. Su- I suck at math. That's why I went to journalism and history. It's very simple. You and I both kind of follow the same path. Uh,
2: English and philosophy, bud. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Well, let's quickly get to the hockey-related things. Um, It it seems like there's a tiny bit more optimism now that there might be empty rink stuff in the summer, which I never discounted the possibility of it happening. Um, And when Dr. Fauci says, yeah, you could do it at an empty rink if you did it right, it would seem to give pause to the people who are like, well, you have to cancel everything. And the reason why I thought you can't cancel everything is because once you pull the trigger on a cancellation, you can't undo that. So if it turned out that it was actually feasible to do empty ranked games in July and the NHL canceled everything, well, the NHL would have egg on its face and be losing a lot of money. So they can't cancel everything until they absolutely know they have no time to do it. But based on all that we know, and I always, when I take a guess into the future, I always think, we're going to have some of the things that we need to actually pull this off by July, just for the sake of argument. Do you think we could actually pull it off?
2: I know you're more pessimistic. No, most. No, 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 no. I, I honestly, Matt, and I, I, I would love to be optimistic about this, and I would love to be wrong about this. Um, but I don't, I don't see a path right now. Like, like honestly, like, I'm having questions about next season and if there is a next season. And if there is, what does that look like? To me, the rest of the regular season and playoffs for this year is a non-starter. I don't see a path for this right now. I know we all want to get through it. And we're all trying to look for reasons why it can work. I just have not had anyone explain to me any compelling reason or any any direction how this can happen. I am only too happy to be wrong here, Matt. I would love to be wrong about this. Like, I would – normally no one likes to be wrong in life. I would love to be wrong about this one. But I can't see how it can happen this season, this this, this summer certainly. Not a chance for me.
0: I can see it in some ways. I can see a way where you could pull it off. You need a lot of things to go right. And the reason also why I say you could see it is because – we just don't have the answers at this point. And if you, the answer right now is, I don't know,
2: how can you say anything with certainty? Either no or yeah, yes. Do, do, we don't, we don't, we don't have, have two crucial things here. Things we don't have instant have testing, testing and, and we don't, don't have, a have, have a vaccine. Let's try to find venues for this place, first of all, then two, ramp it back up, and then what happens when one person tests positive? There's a lot of, again,
0: there's a lot of questions. I don't discount that. But I think that it can... Happen As I said, for my own argument's sake, and we'll talk about this Tommy and I later, if you had the instant testing, and I assume at some point we're going to get it, I don't know when, but we're going to get it, then you could start to think about pulling something off like this. And at where we sit right now, you still don't know. The, and unfortunately, we don't have as much time with you as I want. So I'll, I'll end it on this. This is a very interesting time. And as I've joked, you know, crap hit the fan on a Thursday. It was like March 12th. It's already April 17th. So it's gone by yeah. pretty quickly, even though it doesn't feel like it's gone by quickly. What's your best way for people to pass the time if your doomsday prediction turns out to be correct?
2: I always look at things like this and say, okay, so what's the opportunity you have now? So you have to, we can't go out and hang out in in groups anymore. To to me, this is like cherished family time. Like right now, I get to, you know, do a radio show, do a podcast, do whatever social media for, for Sportsnet that I do. And then when I'm done, I don't go to the parking garage and get in my car and drive home. I walk out of my office and I go see my family. Um, so in a situation like this, uh, I, I look at, you know, uh, self-improvement both mentally and physically, I try to meditate every day. I'm with my family all the time. I park some time every day to go and work out in the garage. To me, I, th- I think the, the best way to sort of, and I can't tell anyone else what is right for them, but for me, this is a chance to get my sleep, make sure I can connect with my family on a more significant, profound way, which I generally don't get to do during hockey season. Usually that's parked for the summer uh, when I don't work. So this to me is, is sort of, you know, bonus time with the family, but for anybody else, I'll just keep saying the same thing. Take this time to take care of yourself, take care of your physical health and take care of your mental health as well. And if you can, along the way, try to help people, uh, and if you can't help people, at least say thank you to the people that are putting themselves in harm's way for your benefits.
0: Profundity from Jeff Merrick. I wish we could do this longer. I wish we could actually talk about the playoffs, but we will do that soon. Jeff, it's been four years of waiting we'll, for this, we'll, but it works it, for me.
2: It it won't be. Uh, trust me, Maddie, it won't be four years uh, right, between not. my next appearance. Ha- ha- happy tell to the come back. Soon. Of what's
0: been leading up to this point? I hope it's not four years. Thanks,
2: Jeff. We'll talk. Soon. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Matt. We'll talk soon, pal.
0: So hope you enjoyed having Jeff Merrick on the show. I'm so happy I got a chance to even spend 10 minutes. Uh, to give you a little inside baseball and how that was recorded, we called him. I tried to get Tommy on the call, but he couldn't hear me because he was on Skype and Jeff was on the phone. But Tommy was there. Uh, the best nine-minute interview we've ever done.
1: <laughs> Mainly because I didn't say anything.
0: No, it's not even that. Uh, it's just that
1: it's we're... It's yeah, whatever. It's,
0: it's been something I've been working on for a while. I'm so happy I had it. And Jeff's awesome. I... I And personally, if I talk to some of the people that, you know, I'm so glad I met through hockey, Jeff Merrick is one of them, 100%, and we will have him on the show again and watch what he's doing so he can continue to collect a paycheck and continue to do what he's doing so when hockey resumes, he can continue to be awesome as he's been. Uh, We have a lot to get to on this show. We'll talk some about hockey, but we'll also talk some about, you know, just resuming the world as best we possibly can. I, I. I choose to be optimistic about things of this nature because, as you know, we're very pessimistic about the Panthers on this show. If you know me in real life, uh, you know I'm pessimistic about everything sports-related, everything related to me. But in the grand totality, I don't want to be pessimistic about this because if I'm pessimistic about this, then you're just not going to want to get up in the morning. And I'm already sleeping until 2 in the afternoon anyway, so you can't spend your life like that. So I choose to be hopeful. I choose to be optimistic. I choose to believe in the people who are working their tails off right now to beat this pandemic. And a lot of them are doing yeoman's work and we thank them all for their sacrifices that they are making. And I think because in a time of uncertainty, you can't say anything one way or another. I choose to believe and whether I'm wrong in a few months, I don't know. Really burying
1: the lead here.
0: I am burying the lead. I'm good at doing that. Do we think that, any, I mean, sports in general, or in many ways, life can come back. And I think the answer to that is yes. It's just a matter of how and a matter of when. And personally, if we're talking about sports, if Dr. Fauci says you can play sports just with no fans in the arena, then I think you can make it happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. And the logistics are tricky. But if Dr. Fauci says you can make it work, then I would choose to believe the man who's probably the most trusted man in America right now.
1: Yeah, there's a lot that's a loaded question. There's a lot there I really want to say but probably won't. Um
0: Well, let's just focus the, on let's just I f- think
1: I think it's po- I think it's possible to get sports with no fans done by the end of summer, early fall. And I think that's what you have to be looking at. You have to wait at least to see how June is, but you're probably looking mid to late July. August, early August as the be- earliest you could even think about this because you need a lot of time to get ready because the biggest issue is, um, you know, a lot of countries weren't ready for this and aren't responding well, but there's a few countries that are really ill-prepared and really not responding well, and one of them has the majority of the NHL teams in it. So this is correct. I until there's enough N95 masks or you know whatever safe mask. i'm no scientist i'm not trying to like pinpoint exactly what the level is i'm just trying to throw a gray general um thing out there uh but until the workers and the people who, ha- who have to be there would have masks and gloves and not one pair that they have to reuse for like two months you know um and and there's testing not just testing for them but i think we have to have we have to get to the level where everybody in the community is getting tested um so we can better trace and better uh understand the situation before we would start because you still have to bring in 100 150 people 200 people to this and are you going to be doing it at Neutral spots, or, or are we going to yeah. be doing this across be, the whole board here? It, it
0: would be done at neutral spots, and travel- the
1: only the only way I could see it not being done at neutral spots is if they would just stop the regular season and go straight into the playoffs, which I think they should do anyway, um, because then you're then you're cutting down the number of places you could be. You know, there, there, it's I, not like I,
0: I think that personally you have to do it at neutral sites because travel. Who knows what travel is going to look like? It might be one of the last things that comes back. And,
1: but yeah, you're talking private.
0: This is still private planes, but you still have the trickiness yeah. of that. And you, and again, like you'd have to
1: rejigger the series format so
0: you minimize the travel as much as possible. Every time. Yeah, I, up,
1: and hopefully is, that's something that would stay because I I prefer minimal travel in the playoffs. So, but
0: I I think that neutral sites are probably the best option because then it minimizes travel. You minimize the exposure. You 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 get everybody in there, and you essentially hold them up olympic village style now whether you do yeah. it in one place or you do it at like four and then you cut it well down.
1: they're they're looking at a few places they were looking at you know the dakotas but unfortunately you see with that pork um processing I mean, you still
0: could do it there you could, yeah, you could do it in new hampshire they're looking at
1: well yeah they're looking at manchester they were talking with governor sununu or um mm-hmm. i call him governor Sun- sunupu He's um, I'm not here to make
0: political comments I mean we've, ta- we've heard Saskatchewan like you could do it <laughs> in certain places if again I assume if we are going to get to this point and the reason why I say I don't know is because none of us know the only way you could do this is if you had reasonable testing and if you have the reasonable testing which I think at a point we can say that there will be testing I just don't know we don't know when but it, we are getting there and Again, if anybody could have predicted where we were a month ago to where we are now, I don't know how many people would have been able to predict it. Now, have we been able to, with social distancing, actually flatten this curve? I think every piece of evidence in certain places like New York and New Jersey say yes, but that doesn't mean we're, we're where we need to be. Yeah,
1: Basically. I think we're still in the sixth inning here. And, oh, oh, we're you not gone by any and, stretch of the imagination, but... Well, yeah, so it's just, it's hard to, see, you know... Like you're starting to get people warmed up and you're starting to – you have to start putting together like the actionable plans and everything. Um, and I think the NHL is getting to the point where they need to pick a lane. And, uh, you know, I'm not – talk when I say this stuff, I'm not talking about life in general. I'm not – I'm just really talking about the NHL. They, they need to pick a lane and figure out um, if they're going to open – and have the rest of the season how are they going to do it because they need to start planning that out they need to start getting talking to these arenas putting in place contracts and start putting down deposits and you know uh, making this kind of actionable because you don't want to get to the point where you're ready to move but everybody else you know the other concerts the other sports leagues everybody else is taking your time slots taking your um, your, your plan because, um, you know, you, you will get left behind and then what, you lose the season and that's a, another black eye for Bettman and his administration. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I and I say, think that they're they're really trying to get this right. I think, you know... Um,
0: I, listen, no one was prepared to have to deal with this. I mean, you could plan it out on a whiteboard, but you can't actually plan out in well, real life what's happening in this instance. And if
1: Yeah, but you have to remember that You know, although they don't know what's going to happen, they do know their goal, and their goal is to award the Stanley Cup because they have thirty-two owners, but thirty-one who are really going to be mad about this. But thirty-one owners uh, who's pumping millions, and one could say, you know, hundreds of millions uh, by the end of the, you know, every year into a team that. All they care about is winning that shiny prize at the end and for it not to, not even to have a chance to play or win it or it be awarded uh they're gonna want their money back so to speak whether whether that's figuratively or literally uh and they're gonna be very upset about it and it's bettman's job to appease the owners that's his actual position is to run the league to the owner's specification. So um, I say,
0: and, and this is why Gary Bettman has canceled nothing yet. Now, mm-hmm. should the regular season be canceled? 100% yes. Is there no equitable way to get 16 playoff teams? Yes. But it doesn't matter because life isn't
1: going But you right. just got to accept it. I mean, yeah. yeah it's one of
0: those things that this is just life. The season's going to have asterisks on it.
1: It's going to be, you can easily say it, it, it equates to roughly around the shortened lockout year. Season Stanley Cup winner. Like, we, you know, people, if they really that's think crazy. about they're like, oh, yeah.
0: The Devils in the 2013 Blackhawks, you'll have company.
1: Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's still, you're all facing the same challenge. You all have this war of attrition. And it's really a war of attrition this year because of the downtime leading up to the playoffs, you know, but you'll have the same amount of playoffs, games, and everything. You, you, you'd you think, think. I don't yeah, know so if that's, that's you've never heard. Anything of that being that on, the on the table, table so. so... I
0: think it is, and I think there's a lot that they are spitballing that we don't know yet. I think the first thing you have to say for the NHL is, can we even pull something off feasibly? And the answer to that is, in April, on April 17th we're recording this, we don't know the answer to that. Now, here's what I mentioned with Jeff, and it's why I keep saying I'm somewhat optimistic they could get something done in the summer, and it is because of this if you canceled everything today and it turned out in june oh we do have the testing we do have the capabilities and we can do this safely then the nhl just threw away a billion dollars just set it on fire and while it might look like right now it doesn't look like there's a way forward there could be a way forward in a month that's just the uncertainty of the situation and i think a lot of people have said it you're not going to get any definitive answers until end of may june and it's still the middle of April. We still have a ways to go in that regard. So don't make any definitive decisions based on information that is incomplete. And right now the information is incomplete. If you're a league like the ECHL or these minor leagues that don't have the money to wait this out, yes, it makes sense to cancel, but this is the NHL. This is a $5 billion business. They still have money in rainy day funds that they can use. The second question is, would for me, is like, how could you pull this off? I don't think the neutral side idea is terrible because In the end, if you cordon off everybody into these areas and you, in theory, limit exposure, you have a chance to make this work. You do. Now, there are issues with that and there's issues with every plan that you try and you have to try to get these plans to work. So I'll go over the things with the neutral site plan. Let's say you did four of them, North Dakota, New Hampshire, Saskatchewan and somewhere else that doesn't have the same level of infection we can we can pick another one as we
1: go along for the sake put it in players. quebec they'd be they'd be willing to be martyrs and die for it back.
0: i don't think you'd be able to pull it off there like we're talking about i think they,
1: they'd just be willing to die uh, for it That's what I, uh, I, don't,
0: I don't think anybody's willing to die for the <laughs> nhl at this point um maybe like class like in new york i mean new york's having a bad time but upstate new york's not having as bad time as new york city um, um, the immediate area so again what about like
1: montana, montana.
0: Do you have the rinks? Do you have the facilities? Like, you know you'd have them in New Hampshire. You know you'd have them in Saskatchewan. You know you'd have it in North Dakota. Would you have it in Montana? Probably not.
1: I mean, I know there's junior teams in Montana, but...
0: Idaho, maybe? Like, there are rinks in Idaho, maybe. Like, eastern Washington, like Spokane. It's not as bad as it is in Seattle. Again, D can make this work with the logistics. And also, since the only other things they're going to be competing with are the nba and the nba might do it all in one place and they're going to do closed arenas too and they're not going to have the same sort of requirements that the nhl has so i don't think they're competing and concerts aren't going to happen with people because you're just not going to have events with people for a fair amount of time yet so i don't think the nhl's got to worry about that as much the real issue for me is is how can you logistically pull this off with getting as few people there as possible putting as little a strain on the local area as possible. Cause what do you need to pull off a hockey game? We've never actually talked about the personnel you need to pull off a game. So let's go for a Tuesday night Panther senators game in November. What do you need in order to pull off a hockey game successfully? Not talking not about fans and concession workers and ushers and things like that. What do you need to pull off a hockey game? The teams have what? 18 players on the ice. You have three or four coaches. You have equipment managers. You have medical. And you teams. have
1: goalies on top you of the have, 18 skaters. have goalies. Skaters. Skaters. You
0: have so for a team essential personnel to play a hockey game in the nhl you've got about 30 people right there, there per abouts, team per team so there you got 60. now you also need referees and linesmen that's four you would need official scores so that's about 60 we're up to like 68 people you need um people in the arena to make like the lights go on and things like that but that's not a huge amount but you need Zamboni drivers. You need people to tend to the ice. So we're up to like 75
1: people. I think, yeah, I think we're probably closer to 80 at this point, but possibly yeah.
0: somewhere around that. Um, if we're putting this on TV and the only reason why we're doing this is to get that on TV, you need about five to six camera operators. Now they're spread out a far away away from one another, but that's like,
1: and then you now, at least okay. need the truck.
0: Yeah. Uh, not necessarily. I'm going to talk about that. Why you might not necessarily need the truck. But the, the big thing that you need to pull off a hockey game that people don't realize, and we've learned about it in the Jay Bomeister situation, um, you need EMTs, you need other medical personnel in case a medical emergency happens, you need security to run the arena, and you need ambulances on staff in case something happens. Again, it more than likely will not, but you need it there in case it does. So in order to pull off a game with just the essential personnel in the building. This does not include fans. This doesn't even include journalists and broadcasters. You're still looking at 100, you know, maybe 150 people. Now, I don't know any country right now that is allowing gatherings over 150 people. Now, if we get to July and that's plausible in a controlled setting, the biggest worry for me would be if we're going to North Dakota, if we're going to Saskatchewan, if we're going to New Hampshire or any place like this, the biggest worry for me is not could we pull it off because of the testing. In this example, I'm assuming we are even good enough to go to test because unless you have that, you can't do anything regardless. Do we have enough emergency personnel to cater to the needs of the community, which will still be dealing with COVID-19 and other issues, plus the emergency management you need to put on a sporting event in case something happens? That to me is the biggest concern because we're not talking about New York City or South Florida or any of these big markets where you have a ton of it. If we're going to Grand Forks, North Dakota, you don't have the medical infrastructure you have in any NHL city. Same with New Hampshire. Same with. I, I think the
1: area. NHL would bring would transport in.
0: I think the, the NHL, NHL would do that, stuff. but would they be taking that away from people that already need it? Would it be taken? Yeah, that away from yeah from absolutely, they from would. And, and but... is that actionable? Even if we're in a better situation in July, I hope we are. But that, that to me is the biggest logistical concern which would be getting those people involved
1: now. And, and I, I just think that the NHL just completely looks at it as saying like, that's the easy thing. We'll just throw money at it and bring them in from like big cities like Toronto, New York, et cetera, where um, the there's, there's, officers, the teams but like, you don't, abs. but you don't need, like you could get, there's a lot of areas of medicine that aren't having anything to do with covid and they're in specialized offices or practices and stuff that really aren't getting doing much right now that could that are in you know toronto or new york or some other areas that or even in those closer to those areas in new hampshire or dakotas where you know you could still get people who who are doctors who nurses or you know Positions, assistants, et cetera, who can do the work on the ground that would be required. Um, at, you know, I still think as that's emergency the
0: logistical challenge of them all, but it's it is not insurmountable.
1: The, the, I mean, it's like Royal Pains—you just be like a concierge doctor, yeah,
0: kind of. But I mean, like you still need the EMTs, you still need the uh, ambulances and the emergency management personnel in case something happens. That is how you pull off a game in an empty arena, and that's why you only do four of them, like, but, um, sites, because then you don't have to have it in 16 different places. And that, it, the NHL's goal is to make this as slim as possible and as efficient as possible.
1: But then there's the, okay, so then you get through one round, and then you got to bring people from one spot to the other spot. Yep. And Yep. I mean, and then that, that compounds the, the issues all over again. If we put 16 teams
0: in one place, then it, would, then it would be great. But you can't put 16 teams in one place. It's just not going to be feasible to do that in North Dakota or New Hampshire. You just wouldn't be able to do it. So that's why I'm saying four regional sites. It could be two. I don't know. But it seems like that's a thing that, again, if we are – and again, we're talking about private travel, and this would be private travel. In theory, you could pull it off. Um, the one thing that I've um, been thinking about, and I know that this might be different for some people who have not heard of this before, if we're talking about essential personnel at these games, you don't need journal. You, need, you would need some journalists, but not as many as you would normally get at a playoff game, and you don't need broadcasters. And I will explain why you don't need broadcasters. And this is a little inside baseball, but bear with me here for a second. All of these studios, whether we're talking about NBC, talking about Rogers, or any of these networks that broadcast sports, they have huge production facilities, and they are capable of doing remote broadcasting. All of them are. Not many of them do it because, again, it's not ideal. The product doesn't look as good, but it is something that they can do. And in many cases, if you're talking about remote broadcasting, a lot of them are done, and you don't notice that it's being done. There's probably hockey games that you've watched in your life That are produced remotely and you would have no idea that they were produced remotely the broadcasters might be on site but you would have a decent idea that this is still a well-produced very professional game a lot of that can be done remotely you don't and i have worked in the industry where i have done games live but i've also done games off of monitors so i can tell you that it is not as difficult to put on shows with producers directors tech audio all of that being done remotely and i know that at Rogers they have this capability, I know at NBC they have this capability. And also, while it is not ideal that you call games off monitors, the broadcasters can call games off monitors and you could do that safely, you do not risk anybody in the arena, and you would still be able to have the game go on in the way that it needs to. So, or we could
1: just have no, no commentators and just watch the hockey. It'd be it great. Would be,
0: it would be really, really strange to have no broadcasters and no noise coming from the arena because we're doing this in an empty rink. I, I, I you the, just
1: hear the sounds of the game.
0: Uh, and, the, and the presumed uh, homophobic slurs used on the ice.
1: Well, yeah, Well, then that's their fault. Seven, they're they're seven outed.
0: Second FCC delay, everybody. But I'm just saying that there are a lot of ways you can do this to minimize the need for personnel at these games. So that's why I'm saying logistically, if we get to testing, which is what is most important right now, if we have the testing capabilities, then you could pull it off. Again, nah. the NHL... Yeah. The NHL... But the, the,
1: to me, the bigger issue is how is... Are they going to just cap it at everybody played 68 games? Are they going to do points percentage? How are they going to figure out the the playoff picture and then
0: this which percentage? I think you could also do it 60. It's not going to change the playoff teams appreciably. There's just no way you can play other yeah. regular season games right now. It's just not
1: feasible. And, and, and I know the Panthers fans are going to be like, Oh no, we didn't get a chance. We had the chance. Season, anyway, who gives a crap? Well, it's not that the Panthers had the chance. They lost this it. Is, you know, like correct, but so, again, so who, fans. who cares that? Oh yeah. Once again, they have a chance to maybe pull back into bubble playoff contention if everything goes right down the line in the last handful of games, but you know they're not going to play out all 82 games, and the Panthers aren't close enough where, you know, I mean, what, they'd be three points back, but we've seen how hard it is to gain a point or two points down the stretch when other teams are playing and getting three point games, you know, going to overtime. It's
0: Panthers are not going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. Let's just eliminate that from your thought process now. And again, I I know that it's not going to change anything, but I mean, it sucks, but such is life, the NHL now has to just get the 16 teams. in. I honestly think, although it'll never happen, that they should really cut it down to like, eight, just so they could get this done. But they won't do that. So, like, in theory, you could go top yeah. two teams in each division. You play them at, again, two sites. You go, and then you play at one site once you got down to the final two, but they will never do that. So, again, you have to assume that every playoff format, they're going to try to have 16 in. And the Panthers would not make it in 16 under any circumstances, and there's going to be no regular season games. The other thing that people haven't talked about and I think Connor McDavid brought this up, I think other players brought this up, is you're going to need, let's say we get the green light to go in the beginning of June. You're not going to see hockey played two days later. You're going to need a two- to three-week training camp because a lot of these guys don't have ability to uh, skate because they're in self-quarantine. They don't have gyms available to them. So you're going to need two to three weeks just to get the players up to speed, let alone preseason games. So there's a lot going on in that regard that is... uh, concerning and that's the thing that also worries me because again if we're at mid-June and we don't have the answer to that question then you start wondering oh then you have to start thinking can we even do this at all because the NHL's goal also is not just to award the Stanley Cup this year but also to um make sure that they start 2020-2021 on time
1: which I I think they can I don't think they can do that I think that uh, my next point was you know The other thing people have to start to understand is there might only be a 68-game season next year.
0: Oh, I think that there's a possibility that games are chopped no matter what. But, I mean, the NHL's ultimate goal right now, as you would say, is to award the Stanley Cup this year and have
1: an 82-game season next year.
0: They're going to try They I, think they, I think
1: they're going to try to end on time next year. I think that's going to be their goal. I mean,
0: I think that you could end later in June and no one would really care. But their goal is to right now have as, get as much done as they possibly can. And that is a reasonable goal. A reasonable goal. Whether they can achieve it or not is not really up to them at this point. The, that is up to, again, can we test? Can we, do we have treatments? We don't know. What life looks like in a month, Nobody has a clear answer to that. And the NHL has to plan for the possibility that good things could come and happen and be somewhat optimistic. And that's what I'm saying with all sports. You have to at least acknowledge there's a chance. And canceling it now with the possibility that there is a chance and then that chance could be realized is a horrible mistake that Gary Bettman does not want to make. You cannot reverse canceling this in April and then saying in June, oh, no, by the way, we could do it. But you can say, we're going to keep trying until there is a point of no return, and then we can't do it anymore. That's a decision you can reverse. You can't reverse canceling it now. That's why I'm saying I have optimism. And the reason why I have optimism is because the uncertainty that is dominating our lives right now and really sucks, that uncertainty is also a boon for things like the NHL, for the NBA, for Major League Baseball, because it means there still is a chance we can pull this off. We don't have to cancel this now. There's an opportunity. And that, to me, is what uh, I will use as my justification for saying I believe that it can't happen. I'm not going to go on the record and say I, that it I, yeah, will. yeah 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 yeah. I
1: think we I think we talked enough about coronavirus for people who that's probably all they have to.
0: Yeah, I guess think so. about.
1: So I mean. So let's there,
0: go to some other funny things in the world. Yeah, there are make you laugh a little bit. I think it rides well.
1: Well, there there is some other hockey stuff to talk about. Um, there's two defensemen who have sometimes been rumored uh, or wanted uh, to be trade acquisitions for the Florida Panthers and Dustin Bufflin and Andre Markov. Um, I was definitely more of a fan of Andre Markov uh, throughout his career than Bufflin. Um, but, you know, that has to do with a lot of things like the 2010 Stanley Cup Final against the Flyers, um, other other things but Bufflin who sat out all this year and t- I guess quote unquote was suspended uh, by the Jets so they could have the cap space um, announced he, he's retiring officially um, I guess you know he doesn't really want to play anymore it seems like so
0: yeah and Andre Markov uh, retired as well so the Panthers now cannot trade for Dustin Bufflin
1: yeah, and I was just finally coming around to it. And, you know, I was thinking that him being suspended this year was a really good uh, opportunity for him to come cheap and play just the second half of the season for the Panthers and, and all that. But uh, I'm not so sure. I mean, obviously he has issues with the, the Jets and everything. Um, and I don't blame him. He had to carry that team for through the playoffs for, for a few years, and they continued to... Uh, you know rely on him and overplay him and not deliver for him so uh I, I don't i he's he's got a lot of injuries and i i don't think he wanted to put his body through i do not he I didn't have the heart in him
0: i don't blame him And uh andre markov because you know old russians they come to florida
1: <laughs> yep yep no true no true um stereotype in the I NHL think these days
0: about the Panthers for a second. I know I mentioned, uh, Stu Steagle was, uh, on the, uh, 31 thoughts podcast. I mentioned that with Jeff, uh, which was very interesting. Uh, that's a good interview. You should listen to it because he does so many things that I didn't even realize that he did after he sold the Panthers. Um, so it's in a good discussion. He's got something for you with the draft. He's got something for me with broadcasting. It'd be great. Uh, I do want to say, and I know we've talked a lot of negative stuff about Vinny Viola in the past, uh, I want to say good positives for him is that he is paying the Panthers employees in full while other teams are laying off people. And whatever you want to say about how Vinny Viola made his money, which again, not my business, whether him buying the Panthers was a tax write-off, probably was, he still paid all the Panthers employees, a franchise that loses money hand over fist every year, he's paying them all anyway. If Vinny Viola could do it, why can't anybody else?
1: yeah i mean he just has that better business mentality of hey i need you know i bought this team to be a tax write-off fun thing to have and you know to be competitive it makes more sense to pay the people who work for me who are going to help my team be competitive give them security give them um loyalty so that they show the same uh back and you know he also needs the books to be hit a certain number. He was banking it on, you know, hitting those numbers this year. So he's got to continue to write those checks. Yep. Um, I mean, but I have to say, I, yeah. I don't think that's the reason he's doing it. I think this is, he, you know, he does preach a family oriented business style. Uh, the, the plate, the, the communities he's involved in, um, with the military, um, with, uh, the Catholic church, with, uh, Italian, uh, American immigrant, um communities and and uh organizations like it's very clear that he believes in that take care of your own people uh, mentality and he's not any at this point it seems like he backs that up and he's not one of those people who just does it but then when it comes time to personally step up they they wilter uh like pagula is is one of these people i i i, I um, you, ooh, there's there's a very good one, that's Jeremy that, Jacobs. Yeah, unfortunately, it's more you know, it's more of the owners than, than uh, on the other side of the coin, as you said, than on what stepping up like Viola. So
0: I and I, got, and I uh, have to give him credit we, for that. And yeah, yeah we, I, of course
1: I, I, we will, always, of course. Yeah, he is
0: willing to criticize when somebody does something wrong, but if you do something right, like Vinny Viola has done for an organization that is not easy to run and is one of the trickiest organizations to run in hockey. He, he stepped up to the plate, and again, you could argue the Panthers have less employees than everybody else, and they do, but again, he still kept all of them on staff, and that's, it's, again, I give credit to him, and that, he, again, for all of the things that happened went, went so wrong with the Panthers, he's done a lot of things right, and that's what makes the wrong things so frustrating, and that's what I will always continue to say when hockey resumes, uh, so c- good credit to Vinny Viola for doing what he's doing. And I also heard, against Stu Siegel was like, do you think there's any worry about the Panthers being run uh, because of this? And and he was like, no. So if the guy who ran the Panthers, and let's be honest, when Viner and Siegel were in charge, the Panthers were really, really cheap. Like, as little as you could possibly spend to run a National Hockey League team. And I I can't blame them. The Panthers were in even worse crap than they are now at that time. But if he's saying the Panthers are going to be fine – Okay, Damian Cox, you might well listen to the old owner of the Panthers. They're going to be okay. I'm not worried about Vinny Viola. I'm not worried about any team in the NHL. Minor league teams, that's another issue. But for the time being, I, again, I just like to see that, you know, the, the league is asking staff to take pay cuts. The, the Canadians, these are other teams and leagues that are doing this, and the Panthers are not. I, it's, it is, it's really incredible what Vinny Viola is doing and I, I give him a ton of credit for that. And I think that it should be said on Why Hockey because we've probably been more critical of ownership than almost anybody else. So credit to him for that. I do want to also say, very interesting, I don't know if you watched, you might probably haven't, um, there was, a, as you said, Sportsnet's doing a lot of Ask 31 video conference interviews. There's a
1: lot of interesting ones. They did one with No, I can't, I can't stomach those. You can't they're stomach just too, they're, they're too, like, I can get the highlights of them, after the fact, but the, but sitting there watching them live, like
0: oh, I you know did watch it live. I watched it on yeah. playback with Ekblad, and uh, again, there's there's some there's some interesting. And I don't think it's a ton of interesting things, but you know, Aaron Ekblad's not the most you know he's not a boring player, but he's he's interesting, and I I, I wish it was with when we when the NHL did all those Zoom calls based on the division, and and Alexander Barkov showed up on his, um, I was. Again, the funniest thing is to look at the backgrounds of where these players are, and you can see Barkoff's house, because we know he lives in Boca. It, it was like half of it was to a wall, but then half of it, you could probably see the water out the other side. I mean, you could see that. And also, we learned Aaron Eckblad said it, and we already knew this, but it, it is funny to talk about how, I mean, like all the players live within like a very small radius in Fort Lauderdale, most of them except Barkoff. So that was interesting to hear Eckblad say that um again i if you want to listen to it, you should listen to it. It's the only Panthers interview I think that was done, but uh Aaron Eckblad's not the worst, and uh his his dog was barking in the background through half the interview, which made me laugh so I mean you got to get the little chuckles here every now and again
1: yeah there's but I mean we can talk about some real real hockey stuff too i mean there's there's the draft that has to happen uh yes. you know panthers so- are slated to be 14th unless they pull a lottery ball uh, out well, of thin air and move no, up to the top three. You know
0: what? I think the NHL legitimately I mean like the, the the draft is like the last thing they're worried about because honestly as the NFL is about to prove you can do that remotely and I don't think that the NHL is going to want to do it remotely. but remotely.
1: I'm not, I not. I just want to talk about it, though. Like, I just want we'll definitely
0: to definitely talk about it, because we've seen teams talk about draft lists and how they're doing you know virtual interviews, so that's still going on, and they're still preparing as if there's going to be a draft. So I will leave the floor to you because I've listened to a little bit of, of draft coverage, and uh, I haven't been up as much on the draft as I should be. I've been focusing on the NFL draft for fairness's sake, but I will definitely start focusing on the NHL draft soon. Um, because there's all these conditional picks. There's what the coyotes are, have apparently done, which means they might lose picks. There's a lot of stuff going on, but I will leave you to Florida to talk about the draft. I wish we could have talked with Jeff more about the draft because I mean, he he's great to talk about when it comes to junior hockey, maybe at another time. But, uh, where do you stand on the 2020 NHL entry draft that may or may not happen until like September?
1: Well, it's, it's worth waiting for it. It's a, it's a pretty good draft. Um, as far as centers and, and forwards go, um, there's enough D, but not at the top end of the draft. I, it's top eight, top 10, especially if you count the goalie top 10, uh, players in this draft are, are very good. They're worth, they're worth moving up for They're worth. Uh, if you really like somebody taking a swing on and, and, and going for it. Um, but the majority of them are forwards and, um, You know, there's one defenseman I think that should go in the top 15. There's probably two that will go in the top 15 if you add Jake Sanderson because uh, there's a ton of hype around him. Uh, There's always one U.S. development defender these days that always gets that late-rising hype. And if it's not in the U.S. development program, it's in the WHL or something like that. Um, But Panthers, it doesn't really matter – what happens for the Panthers because they're probably going to end up at 14 and at 14 they can't get the defenseman they want. Um, they definitely need some centers on the younger end uh, and some quality centers on the younger end. So it's not all a loss, but it's likely that the best player available at 14 could just as well be a winger um, at the NHL. So even if you draft a center, uh, so if I was the Panthers, I'd definitely be looking at trading up to get that one defenseman, uh, Jamie Drysdale, plays for Erie in the OHL. Um, He is a right-handed defenseman, which means at best he's slotting, you know, behind Ekblad, and, you know, you still got Uyghur on that side. You wish he was a lefty, but uh, he's still a very good defenseman, probably going to end up being a second pair, uh, a very good second pair defenseman or uh, a first pair defenseman. Uh, But after that, it's a lot of, like, you know, Swedish – wingers uh canadian forwards it's a lot of fun if you need scores detroit and ottawa is going to be very happy
2: um
1: yeah but you know if if i'm the panthers i don't want d i'm trading back if i really like if i really want skill you know if i really want to make use of my draft pick i'm trading up and trying to get like anton lindell who i think is going to fall a bit but um panthers could easily trade up get him and he's a Pro, I think he's a pro ready center that would really improve their ranks right now, uh, and it would right fit in.
0: Actually, have to start thinking. If we're thinking about the the Panthers in this relation, just like even if we're even if we don't know what the cap is and we don't know what the roster is going to look like, it, they need centers. I mean, it's it's very... They underneath. need to get
1: centers indeed. They need to... They. I mean, and it shows... And they showed that they were thinking about it because they got three NHL-level centers uh, in the Trojak trade. So they netted plus two centers. Um, they so it's obvious... Obvious that they know it's a huge need. I,
0: I saw a mock draft where... Um, I can't remember who George picked in the Panthers mock draft, but it was a defenseman. I know it's one you probably wouldn't have liked, but... I mean Oh yeah,
1: it was uh it was G U H L E. he's a defenseman in the WHL. He's I mean, he's not Eric Goodbranson, but he's like a he's just the type of D you would be that the talent detractors and good detractors and people who make fun of those defensemen, if they had to look at the first like perspective first rounder defenseman they'd point at this guy and be like that's him that's the guy that best fits that mold basically
0: the loss and of defensemen right
1: yeah i mean and he's not bad i don't mind him but he's it's a reach at 14 like there's no defenseman besides Drysdale that should be picked in the top 15 if you want to pick him there's going to be there's a there's a handful of ones that are the same value that you could easily get in the beginning of the second round on the second day of the draft. There's no need to to waste a first round pick on a defenseman if it's not Drysdale or if you're not picking you know in a playoff position draft slot.
0: And you can trade the Flor- back. I mean, there's yeah. so many things that are going to happen. Florida
1: could trade back and get 2D of the same quality of the overhyped D that they would reach for at 14. They don't need a goalie. So, I mean, it's funny. They could get – they're in the position this year to get the goalie. They could have got a def- the defenseman last year. They could have stepped ironic, up. They could have stepped up to take Soderstrom last year or you know, taking the, a defenseman that was available, uh, and a few of them almost made or did make open night wrestlers in the NHL already. Um, and they could have got a defenseman last year and still got their goalie this year, and it would have been a Russian for Bob to Mentor, and it would have been a year younger, and it would have fit Bob's contract a little better. I mean, it's, it's comedy, and it's literally what we said would happen that the oh, Panthers would boys. probably, you know, it's, it's funny, but what the Panthers really need to do is get on the ball and figure yeah. out how to maximize this draft for D centers. And the best way to do it is to probably trade back or to step up and go for a guy like Lundell or uh, Rossi, uh, a high-skilled center, mm-hmm. uh, Perfetti. Um, you know, there's a lot of good players they could get. It's not, unlikely that alexander Holse or uh mason raymond fall fall a bit down and the panthers could step up and get them well
0: the they other thing I think you have to they just can't them. sit
1: still wow. i think they have to trade back and do play play smart and throw more chips down on the table or they need to step up and use the chips they have to get a, to get a top end guy in this draft because if you look at their prospect pool Um, they need some more top-end guys down the center and on D.
0: You know what's interesting about this draft, though, and it's going to be interesting with every single draft that happens in the next, I don't know, year, and the NHL is included in this, because you don't have the traditional methods of scouting, you don't have a scouting combine, you don't have in the OHL, you don't have playoffs, you know, you don't have a lot of things that you would have had because of COVID-19, I think draft boards could look different. I mean, a lot of them might not look that different, But that could honestly add for a little bit more, I don't want to say excitement, but a little bit more unpredictability because teams are just going to look for different things and teams might be prioritizing different things. That happens in every draft. But who can you interview? Who can you talk to? What information can you get? You know, these are the kinds of things that – Mason
1: Raymond. Oh, my God. I'm just realizing I called Lucas Raymond Mason Raymond. That's
0: funny. (laughs) I didn't realize that until you mentioned it either.
1: Oh, God.
0: It's okay. Don't worry. It it's, it happens <laughs> to the best of us. Um, the other things I want to talk about, um, hockey related, that are that are interesting. Obviously, first of all, condolences to Colby Cave's family. That was horrible. You know, you didn't ever want to see that yeah. in normal times, let alone these times. And that's just that's just it's heartbreaking. And we do want to mention that. The other things I wanted to talk about, a little more hockey centric. You know, I was thinking to myself in March before you know the world fell apart, sadly, um, what was going to happen if the Panthers didn't make the playoffs this year, which it really looked like, even though they played some better games right before the break, uh, the pause, as we could say, um, I was legitimately thinking like, what's going to happen in the front office? Cause you can't fire the coach. I-, I legitimately thought Dale Talon might be gone. And we thought that too, but now, I mean, there's no way you can fire him. Nobody is going to be able to do anything because we don't know what a season's going to look like. We don't know what the cap's going to look like. So, basically well we do know
1: that the cap cap is going to be flat flat. the nhl did announce today that the cap
0: now the one thing that i've been you know but but for the sake of argument then you can't really change much personnel it's kind of like musical chairs whatever you stopped with is what you have so i think dale talon and this is crude to say at a time when thousands of people are dying every day but dale talon got a stay of execution because the nhl went on pause Like, if the season plays out and the Panthers miss the playoffs, he might be gone. But now, you can't really do anything. So, that means teams with interim head coaches, maybe you could hire somebody if you've already thoroughly vetted them. But for most teams, like, musical chairs means, particularly GMs, like, they're stuck where they are right now. So, gives Dale Talon another chance. Now, the one thing is, if the cap is flat, and it's either going to go down very slightly or it's going to be flat, people are like... Oh, it's going to go down forty percent because hockey-related? No, it's not. There's no way that's going to happen after lockouts. We didn't see that. It's basically it's 81.5. It's going to be 81.5 next year. Maybe it's like 80 or something with a compliance buyout. You were talking about compliance buyouts all the time, and now we actually might see compliance buyouts because there just might not be any other way to make this work. So perhaps we see that. And what the NHL? Well, I, mean, I mean, we'll,
1: we'll see. Do? We'll see what we see in real world. Where in a time of crisis, they will use every excuse to change whatever they don't like to benefit them you know like the rules are going to change
0: i i think that we're going to oh yeah <laughs> a lot of I things that, are going to change i think that well for the just in the nhl's point of view like you're they're not going to see armageddon with the salary cap because it benefits legitimately no one uh you're going to see them do the the best i mean I saw mention that teams might like, legitimately like sign a one-year deal so that this year you get eaten up by escrow, but if you do well, things return to normal, you sign a long-term contract then. Or if you do sign a long-term contract, instead of front-loading it, you backload it. Basically, you put the skinny, you know, years now when you're losing like 40% to escrow, and then you backload it when things are presumably normal, which um, not an unreasonable thing to do. I think that that's, again, a thing that's definitely plausible. the other joke that I think people are going to make is, like, when you get back to normal, how many outdoor games are we going to have? Probably, like, 50 to make up for the lost revenue. I think that that's a thing that could happen. Uh, but, but if you're talking about any sports— I games, think
1: they're going to have to think of a new shtick if oh, they want to generate only, I money.
0: That, I mean, if you ever—I mean, if we can get to international travel again, which presumably at some point we will. It's not like it's going to be cut off forever. Um, that international Ryder Cup-style thing, get ready for that. Now, if the NHL can cut a deal with the IOC to get them to the Olympics, like, and they actually make money off of it in terms of revenue, maybe that new deal with the IOC is a thing that could become, you know, actually possible now. Like, I, for all that is horrible right now, there is opportunity if you do it right, if you think smart. Um, and that's why, the, and the other reason why the NHL is gonna to wanna to get back on TV is because they're in the unique position. The NBA is not in, Major League Baseball is sort of in, but isn't really. The NFL is kind of in too, uh, TV contracts, because you know that even in the times we're in, there will still be a lot of money thrown out to sports on TV. And especially if the NHL gets back, right? Even if the NBA is going alongside it, the NHL TV ratings are gonna be huge because of sports on TV and people are gonna wanna watch it. And even if we don't have full stay-at-home orders at that point, most people aren't gonna be traveling They're certainly not going to be living life as we normally would because there's still going to be some restrictions because that's just the way that things are going to be for a little bit. NHL TV ratings are going to be massive, especially if, again, we're not going to be able to go to arenas for a while. So, again, you get that out on NBC and you can start making money and, again, that starts the machine flowing again. Now, is the NHL doing what it can now to make money? I mean, I guess they didn't, you know, do a horse competition that was shot on a GoPro that had the audio from our podcast that was more pixelated than trying to watch a, you know, a badly warped VHS tape from 1983. But, you know, I mean, they're trying. I mean, I, I give them credit for at least doing something in these interviews that have, I mean, I've, I've found a little of them mildly entertaining. So there's that.
1: They're not for me. I'm, I'm just here for the hockey. And I the know. Draft, well, you also so. told
0: me that uh, you were, you I also, you also told me that you were doing a, uh, I guess we should end this show by talking about what we've actually been doing for the last month plus, uh, how we've been spending our time. Um, I joke that I've been social distancing for four years because I've been unemployed and been at home, so this is nothing new for me. I'm just waking up at 2 o'clock every day. What I'm watching right now, actually, as we record this show, is uh, I know you're a fan of F1, uh, so you like cars at least somewhat. Um, I'm a huge fan of Top Gear. I think I've made that clear. Uh, I'm watching uh, old American Top Gear, not the British Top Gear, the American Top Gear, like old episodes of that. It's actually less bad than I thought. It was decent <laughs> when I remembered it. But it's not that bad. You're just that bored. I mean, listen, it's either that or watching like the same episodes of Match Game I've seen for a while on on buzzer. There's there's on- too
1: much there's too much to watch. I mean, that, that's the thing. There's so much did to watch. Did you watch Tiger King, sir? I did. I did. I loved it. I feel Feel bad for the treatment of the animals. I feel bad for the the animals
0: too, but you know, as I joked at that time, um, in a world that felt completely insane and still does, it's good to know that something was still even more insane than that. Like that was just complete and utter lunacy. If you haven't watched Tiger King, I don't know, I, I don't know what human being hasn't watched Tiger King at this point, but, uh.
1: I did. I did the Ozark and the Tiger King because you know they were the trendy. They're the,
0: especially I, at the I, beginning
1: I'm of not, the quarantine. I'm not doing. I'm not doing
0: Ozark. Um, but I will say that I have done a couple of interesting things. Uh, uh most of it. I actually watched Neil deGrasse Tyson's uh, Cosmos: Possible Worlds because I have a little bit of a thing for learning about space. So that was interesting. I've watched those episodes. It's a decent show. Didn't mind it.
1: Also, got the uh, Rescue Rangers on Disney Plus, one of the oh, better cartoons. That's, okay. that's all right. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, DuckTales.
0: DuckTales, very good. Very good DuckTales. And the theme song, as you all know, you can't get it out of your head once you've heard it. So, so DuckTales, I approve of that. Um, I will say another channel I've really liked is the Science Channel. They've got interesting stuff that they actually show. I don't know how many people watch it, but I really like stuff on the Science Channel. So uh, I've been watching a lot of stuff of that you know again you can say what you will about it but i i enjoy the science channel so that's that's good uh the other thing i mean i mean i watch a lot of youtube anyway so a lot of good youtube channels out there um for for youtube peruse uh i will give over them something in a second you told me you were watching a lot of old like old like pre like 2015 f1 races
1: yes yeah like 2009 2010 uh i was watching DT, more like recent dtm um the german uh series racing uh you know just i've stopped that recently because it's got a little repetitive <laughs> but um yeah
0: well, is f1 any less repetitive it, it's
1: easier to than watch while i'm just now. doing work so is f1 any less repetitive then than it is now it was less repetitive then for sure um it's definitely more repetitive now, especially with who wins and the teams at the top and who's usually in the bottom. So that um, it's it's more ex- like race to race exciting, but I think it there's less. I don't want to say maybe because I'm not in the moment, so I don't know all the storylines and everything. But I think there's less uh, less like. Long se- season, long storylines. I don't know. Maybe it's, just talking it's, about that.
0: Yeah, I've, I've not, I've never been able to get into F one. I've liked F one. I've, I found it interesting, but I've just never been able to get into it. It's,
1: stop. it's one of the only, th- it's one of the only things I can watch where um, I don't have like a depressing loyal team that I follow. Um, it's more like time. I can. I can just, I can root for anything and everything and everything's enjoyable. Um, and yet yeah, there are some heartbreaks
0: that'll and not feel like terrible about yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where I can get enjoyment and, uh, I don't have to waste a lot of sweat equity.
0: That's, that's, that's a good point. I YouTube channels that I like, I don't think any of you really care at this point, but YouTube channels that are good, uh, Maybe, maybe this is also a suggestion for Tommy, too. I don't know how much you like history. Um, I'm a history geek, so I love learning about history. Uh, so much
1: I want to repeat it.
0: Ah, uh, Historia Civilis. Good channel for Roman history. Big fan of Roman history. That's a good one. Uh, channel called Kings and Generals. They do all sorts of random stuff, like history from things you never even heard of, or history from things you never even thought about. That's a good channel. Uh, another channel that I I love and again rewatchable. This isn't history. This is just in general. Uh, you should watch Red Letter Media. Those are those are really funny, really really good stuff over there on, on Red Letter Media. Uh, good movie reviews, best of the worst is hilarious. Um, it's it's always good for laugh. What I don't know if that's up your street, but something I it's something I've definitely enjoyed. So I, I approve of that. Uh, what else would you recommend the people do? Because we're probably not seeing hockey, at least until July, if we're lucky.
1: Um, I, I have no idea. Uh, I think there's – you can do anything you want. Just read. Just remember you don't have to do anything because it's a pen, pandemic. And at the very least, that's the get-out-of-jail-free card you were looking for uh, to be lazy or to skip so-and-so, or, you know – Do whatever you want. It's a pandemic. It's a great excuse. Get out there. We're staying there.
0: As as long as you are keeping your six feet and you're being smart and
1: you stay safe. People aren't going to be smart. but
0: Well, again, I'm assuming that most of our listenership is going to be smart. I don't speak for everyone. I'm speaking for the Y Hockey
1: audience. Hopefully Florida will somehow get a defenseman. I just Uh, want Florida to get a defenseman.
0: maybe, Maybe the pandemic has changed so much that the Panthers will actually get a defenseman.
1: That's the, right, that's, that's the right revolution mindset. I'm looking for.
0: Ah, it's, yes. So we will uh, – we're sorry for the month-long absence. Again, social distancing is what it is, and this pandemic kind of threw everything off. But we will try to do as much as we can, and hopefully we'll have more to talk about. In the future. Again, thanks to our friend Jeff Merrick. Uh, we will have him on again soon. Jeff is awesome. Uh, I know that uh, I've, I've – we've joked about him on this show coming on before, but now it actually is serious. We got him on. And, again, stay safe. Please stay safe. Thank you to all of the emergency personnel, the people who are working their tails off to keep us safe. We thank you for that. And uh, we will get through this. We will get through this. I hate saying things so crass like this, but if you follow the Florida Panthers long enough, you've gone through a lot of bad stuff. We can get through the pandemic. I mean, we've watched Keith Yandel in his defensive zone. We could get through the pandemic.
1: I'm just worried about how we'll come out the other side.
0: I mean... I people hope change. Just, I people mean, change. I, I hope things will be as, as good as they could possibly be. But I'm not here to be pessimistic right now. Anyway, good night and good hockey. I guess I'm a three-one hockey game. Right